Hello everybody, welcome to part two of the previous episode with Tony. And I guess that's all I have to say, and I will talk to you again in a few seconds. I don't know if your answer is going to be biased, but do you think everyone needs a coach? Hmm. I mean, I don't. it's not, I, I wouldn't be biased in the way that you would think because I am a coach, but I would be biased in the sense of uh competitor standpoint, the actual athlete standpoint, because before I coached anyone else, I coached myself. I believe that the relationship between a coach and an athlete is needed in certain aspects most athletes can benefit from a coach, yes. From the simple fact of, you know, stripping away, let's say you're a seasoned powerlifter, you know what you're doing, you've been doing this for years, there's nothing that a coach can tell you that you haven't heard before, you know? In that case, you have to see what kind of person that you are, you have to be honest with yourself, and you have to say, hey, like, on the days that nobody's there looking, on the days that I have nobody to answer to, am I doing what I need to do? Am I looking at my own training with an unbiased eye. Do I need an outside eye looking in? And do I need somebody to hold me accountable for those days that I don't feel like doing it? Because if you go in any sort of serious competitive route in this sport, it's going to get boring. It's going to get repetitive. And if you're not obsessed, it's not for you. Just straight up in that aspect of somebody being on your ass that you need I would say yes, like a lot of people would need a coach, but there are people who are more seasoned and even those in the intermediate stage, which I would place myself in, you could also benefit if you're not the type of person who likes to be coached or, you know, you don't see a benefit from coaching. I think you still benefit from an advisor or multiple advisors from people that have been doing it just as long or if not longer than you because you're always going to benefit from that outside eye looking in and never think that you are unteachable, that you can't learn something from even somebody who doesn't have as much uh, experience or strength as you. I'm always talking to new people. Well, when I come into contact with them in the gym, you know, uh, I'm always talking to them as if I'm talking to them from a curious eye instead of like, uh, you should be doing that like that, you know? I'm never going to be that one person. I'm not going to say that I haven't been, but I'm not going to be that coach where I'm trying to coach strangers, you know? Like, I'm not trying to go across the room, out of my way, stop my set, and go over to you. Well, hey, like, hey, you're doing that a little wrong, you know? Let me show you how to do that. If I'm the person who initiates contact, like, I might see how you're doing. Like, I might see what you're doing for that workout. I might see, like, how heavy you're going. I might try to hint at what your experience level is. I'm, I'm going to ask a whole lot of questions before then. And hopefully I'll learn something along the way that I haven't heard of. The way that I like to coach my athletes is 
in some cases a little bit unconventional. So I like to experiment and typically I do that with myself, but there comes times where you run into a lifter where they're totally different than anything else that you've ever encountered and they might not respond well to the traditional solutions to common problems that powerlifters have. And because we're all different, you know, people are going to respond to different stimuluses, different training uh, styles. You know, I don't train everybody the way that I train myself. I don't have all my athletes doing the same program, same cookie cutter. Everybody eventually has a complete different program that only works for them. Maybe it'll work for your gym partner if you're around other people and you want to be that guy to be like, hey, copy my program, you know, like <laughs> if you want to do that, cool. Like you're taking a risk on that person. You don't know what's going, what it's going to do to them. But the whole thing is being able to have structure, being able to know where that structure is going, aka having a plan and being able to mitigate and solve issues along the way. I've been lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of different problem-solving scenarios. I think my answer would be, if you're a beginner... You I know where your answer is. <laughs> what, what? What's my answer? You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need nothing, nobody. Well, yeah, you could do that's, everything. <laughs> yes, that's my, my general life answer, but... Honestly, I think having a coach is a luxury. I don't, Absolutely. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessary. I think you can get by. On, 100%. You can get by by yourself. You can get by on, like, the free programs online. There's, like, a lot really, a lot of really good ones mm-hmm. out there. But once you reach a point, you're going to start running into problems. And if you're an idiot, there's a very high likelihood that you're going to, like, hurt yourself. So right. if you're not an idiot, maybe you can keep going self-coached. But most people aren't yeah. idiots. I uh, agreed. That's where you guys come in. <laughs> yeah, I will say I agree with that standpoint because also I just want to add I'm one of those people. A lot of people I think are not going to be as honest with themselves as they should be. A lot of people 100%. are not going to be like, hmm, "That was pretty shitty." Let me like, let me not do that. They're going to be like, "Oh, it's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it." Yeah. And, like I do that sometimes. I'm I just... think we all do that, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think there's. You also have to be honest with yourself with being able to learn the information and sift through all the free programs online by yourself, too. Because at the end of the day, that is work, right? You're basically taking the initiative to become a coach before you learn what programs do. And you're trying to take on all these things at once. And I'm guilty of doing that, you know, like I, my whole mantra was and still is, you know, um, what coaching is, is a practice where somebody is taking the time to learn you and learn what works for you. And at the time, I was already behind the gun with all these strong, strong people (laughs) that I had to take out on my list. And I figured that I spent more time paying attention and learning myself than hiring somebody else new that has to start from scratch that doesn't know me or my body or my training stimuluses that work for me I could only explain so much and then from then on it's a matter of time and learning that athlete and seeing what a macro cycle and micro cycles do to them what different training styles do to them you know like do they need a undulating pendulum program do they need linear so-and-so blah 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 you know do they respond to RPE you know 
which is newer on the block, but you know, it's super common now. And are you being honest with yourself to be able to go to each of these programs? Because each one is not going to be the same. So you have to be able to not only sift out what you like and what you don't like, what works for you, what is easy, what is hard. And you need to be able to tell yourself, hey, we're doing this today. You know, we're going to do this. I know you don't like it, but we're going to be doing this for 12 weeks. You know, like (laughs) buckle up instead of somebody else telling you like, hey, this is what's going to get you to your goal. It would behoove you to just suck it up a little bit. And I know you don't like it, but, you know, basically spoon feed you ultimately guide you under their observation to your goals, hopefully, which most coaches should be working towards if not trying to still learn the athlete everybody comes with their difficulties and you know differences but everybody's on the same path how long do you think it takes to learn a new athlete i would say at least a a few macro cycles like i'm a big fan of a longer training cycle so at least 16 18 weeks including deloads and that would be all your training phases you know and that's just one run you know uh one run you might have good variables in your favor and another run which you know miss weak immune system over here (laughs) (laughs) some runs may not be as productive as others but that's just how life is you know you gotta be able to account for and tally up all those variables where again you might not have the accountability to point those out yourself and you might just be kicking a can at the end of a training block wondering what went wrong where that outside eye comes in and all their note-taking and observations along the way come in handy, you know? Uh, so that's a point in favor of the coaches. If a coach has this type of attitude where they're like, it's not my job to be your like accountability person, would you agree or disagree with that? I would 100% disagree with that because that's almost your entire job, you know? I feel like there's a lot more avenues and things included in the job that aren't typically foreseen in the beginning and some people try to cop out and carb oh man here's the sat word for you compartmentalize (laughs) (laughs) compartmentalize their duties and um try to push you off maybe i also offer baseline nutrition some people they'll just assume you have a nutritionist you know they'll assume you know what you're doing with food and that could be your variable all along, you know? You could just simply not be knowing what to do in the kitchen. From a powerlifting standpoint, I, I get that a lot of coaches aren't nutritional experts or even have a grasp on basic nutrition themselves, but you should at least be able to identify that, somewhat enter that world if you haven't already, you know? Try to dip your toe in that as a coach and understand that at least from a direction to be able to lead that athlete in the right path because at the end of the day, the least amount of problems that you're able to fix, the less help you are to that athlete. Like, what are you there for, you know? If you're constantly having problems, you're not able to figure out the issues that you're having, you're not getting anywhere as an athlete and you're frustrated and they're not figuring out, you know, hey, they're not communicating with you, hey, like, it might be your diet, you know, they're just saying, oh, go see a dietitian um, or push you off to somebody. I was, even if it's not my job, a lot of times I'll try to, you know, lead you in the right direction. If it's not a person, it's going to be, all right, time for me to learn 
about so and so, you know, like I'm more of the latter. But there are a lot of people who will say that, hey, this is not my job. And I think it really comes down to the type of person because a lot of powerlifters want to be coaches, but they have to be good athletes too. You know, it's, it's kind of difficult to actually take on these roles without knowing what you're in store for. And a lot of people, they're not game for what it entails. And that's how you get these lower quality coaches that charge an arm and a leg that shouldn't be in the industry, in my opinion. Oh my God, I... You made so many points and I want to say so much stuff. It's like my brain is just going in a million directions right now. Grab one out the air and start with the first what was, do you remember what your I mean I'm probably I'm sure you probably do. What was your SAT score? That was <gasps> back when that was back when it was out of sixteen hundred, right? No. <laughs> no? So yes and no. Around the time that I graduated, that three-year span, they switched from 1,600, went up to 2,400, and went back down to 1,600. Oh, I was the I bracket. Yeah, I was the bracket that was in the 2,400s. Okay. And we're not going to talk about my score. <laughs> <laughs> I was not, like, the best student growing up. Um, I'm the type that is smart but doesn't I'm the epitome in school I'm the epitome of talent that doesn't work hard so I was the guy who would a lot of people are like this in college actually where you'll tally up what you need out of your score so you don't have to do homework kind of thing or choose pick and choose your battles kind of thing because depending on your other classes like you might not be for example I sucked at history and I almost failed history to the point where I, I did the minimum effort in my other classes and I put my mind to history at that those few semesters, you know? How do you suck at history though? It's just reading and writing. History? Yeah. No, that's that's language that's uh that's language arts. History. Are you, are you is, talking about high school history? Yeah. Or like, like college. Talk about history. wars and like Going through yeah, wars and renaissance. That's still just reading and writing. You, you read. You got to memorize. You have to stuff. read. First of all, I wasn't a strong reader. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you have to read like 50 pages of some war and remember like some minute details about them. The like, French and Indian War of like what? the 1419 i think yeah some crazy nonsense like i don't care about that like <laughs> but at the same time like not just not caring about that like certain courses in the lower grades for example um hmm, let's take language which is a really bad example but language like in new york you either take one year of language or you take three years of language like a and that deter- yeah and that okay uh determines the type of degree you get so what? yeah so in high school you can get a regular degree or you can get an advanced degree for the regular degree which i knew i was going to get anyway because i wasn't going to do the extra maths and sciences science for it it made no sense for me to be in there for three years i also wasn't doing well in it so i was like why am i going to be in my second year i'm gonna drop this now and i'm gonna make it easier for me for history you know um but hmm Loki, I forgot the question. <laughs> I said, what did you get on your SAT? <laughs> okay, um, so, nah, it was something else I was just trying to touch on. But uh, long story I short, I you. sucked in the, in the English portion, like the writing portion. So I got, like, good grades on, like, the math. I got decent grades on the, I think there's a science section, right? I think it's math, think science, and then English or something like that. But, yeah, I sucked. I got, like, a... <laughs> 
I think I got like around 1500 or something like that. Cause it was like a two page out of 24. Yes. Out of 24. Um, or was it 18? I mean, 16. No, it definitely wasn't 16. It was, it's definitely 24. I suck. I, I'm pretty sure I only got into college cause my grandfather was, uh, was an alumni and I put that on my application, <laughs> but oh. I mean, I, I like to also say they needed some ethnic diversity too. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. I wasn't the best <laughs> student. I wasn't either. Like, I, like, it doesn't matter. As long as you pass, you pass. Who cares? Yeah. I put my mind to it and I got an A in that class. I know that. <laughs> that was one uh, of the only A's I got in high school ever. I got, I'm super embarrassed to say this, but like I got a, um, I was very close to failing like art history. Well, yeah. <laughs> you talking about regular history. I, and you, all you got to do is look at Peyton. I hated that class. <laughs> I hated that class. That was the most useless waste of my time in mm. college ever. And the professor, I'm not even going to call him a professor. The instructor did not <laughs> like <jumped>. me. <laughs> Whatever that he was, the professor did not like me and I didn't give a shit. Because like I would, I would walk in like five to ten minutes late like mm. on a semi-regular basis. With your bagels? I, no, with... I, I just wouldn't care and I would just walk in yeah. like it would be like right before like my little gap between classes that I would be eating and I would not like hurry up and eat so I could like not be late yeah. to the class I just did not give a shit and he like would get pissed off at me and I would be like on my iPad just doing whatever I would be on my phone just doing whatever I don't know why he took it so personally like I, so, I don't want to if I don't want to pay attention yeah. it's my decision I don't care well the just, thing is you know, like I feel like it's I agree with you because at at the point in college, you're literally paying to be there. Yeah, like but I paid to be here. I paid my tuition. Just teach. On the other spectrum, how you don't call him a professor? Because he wasn't a professor. Paper, he's not a professor. He's an adjunct professor. So those are like, think of it as like part-time professors. So yeah. he has to no, no, take no, no. out time. No, I'm not. Part-time instructors. Yeah, I well, okay. Because okay, they have like their PhD and like that's all academia. Yeah. I respect No, that. not all of them. Not all of them. No? No. no, no what are you talking about? Not all of them have their PhD. Like, well, I will only call you professor if you have a PhD. No, I think it's the other way around. You only call them doctor. Oh. Yeah. They're professors. It's just you don't call them doctor unless they have their PhD. Some professors go by doctor. But, um... Those people yeah, are the, assholes who make you do that. Yeah, the, the part-time... Well, I don't blame them. They spent, like, at least you're eight just, years in you're school. You're a wannabe. You're going to call me what I <laughs> earned, you know? <laughs> just because I'm not in a doctor's office don't mean I ain't earned that accolade. Oh, my God. You know like, what pisses me off? When you ask someone what they do and they're a doctor and they turn out to be a freaking chiropractor. And I'm like, um, you're not, it's you're a, not ar- a doctor. It's an arguable certificate. But I'll call him a doctor just because the respect, you know, like Kairos are the closest thing that you can get to a PT in the powerlifting world. And I would rather go with a PT, but that yeah, doesn't go to say that I don't respect Kairos because I had this client that was a, a movement specialist, I believe his title was. And he had some of the most helpful things for me than a PT hat, you know? So you'll never, like, yeah. it goes back to the being able to be a teachable person. Like, um, you can learn from even people who don't have as much uh, experience and credible, <laughs> yeah, like, knowledge as you. So I try to learn what I can from anybody, even if it's not directly related. You know, it could be something else. I've talked about this on, on, on this before, but do you know Dr. Berg? Who? Dr. Berg. 
He's like on YouTube. He's a chiropractor. No, nah, I know. Um, I don't. I know. Um, Doctor McGill. He's you know, a chiropractor. Oh uh, yeah, I believe so. He oh, just wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> denoted his entire existence one of the biggest <laughs> back I injury. I knew uh, what he. I knew who he is. I just didn't. Know. That's Doctor Stuart McGill. That's Stuart McGill. That's Doctor Mister Doctor to you. I'm his. <laughs> he's from Canada, but I'm his U.S. representative. <laughs> he's not gonna be disrespecting oh, yeah, okay. my man. It's like that. he's like pretty old too, though. Another but... reason why I call him Doctor. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, what were we talking about? Why did I start talking about this? Cairo's not being doctors and your professor that was not a professor because he didn't care about being there. Oh, I had said something about the SAT. Oh, you got to bring that back up again. I said something about the SAT and then we started talking about all that stuff. And then... You asked me what I got on my SATs. Is that a bad got, For all the smart people, I'll pronounce that I'm dumb again and I... Still got an engineering oh, okay. degree out of I get, it. I, I got it. What kind of engineering degree? Then you're uh, not dumb. I'm still a little bit <laughs> sometimes. No, just kidding. Um, I got a mechanical mechanical engineering technology with a minor in manufacturing. Engineers are smart, so you're smart. Yeah, I get to make things on the computer in 3D. It's pretty cool. Oh, all right. I got it. I remember what we were talking about. I feel like I'm an expert on bad coaching because I have received so much way? bad coaching. Okay. Not, not you, not you, not you. No, I mean, Before like, you. I didn't know <laughs> if you were an expert in receiving or coaching receiving. yourself badly. In receiving. In receiving. <laughs> okay. The person before you, he would always be like, it's not really my job to make sure that my athletes get to the gym. It's not my job mm. to make sure that they do their workouts. I'm getting paid regardless. So I'm like, that's... You won't be if that's not a repeating I know, right? client. That's, that's insane to me. But yeah, like, kind of I don't see how both ways. Where it's not really your job to make sure mm. that I do my workouts. It's my job. And if I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it with you. But right. I also see how it's really callous and cold for a coach to be like, I'm not. Like, that's not part of my job. Because... It's not not. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it goes back to, like, when we were talking about compartmentalizing your job. Like, I don't feel like people should just soullessly coach people. You have to have some sort of relationship with that person to be able to learn them as an athlete and do your job effectively. Now, if getting to the gym is one of the variables that is affecting your progress and affecting your how do I say, like your renewal of uh, services, which is hitting his pockets. I don't see how that's not your job. It's you're, you're definitely not babying someone to an extent, but you are like, you should figure out like, hey, what's up? Like, are you feeling sick? Is there something wrong um, mentally? Like, uh, is there other things going on outside of your gym life that is affecting your ability to complete these workouts that I've laid aside time for to customize to you, which he should feel some type of way about in that aspect. Because whether you get paid or not, you put your time and effort into starting to learn this person. And the fact that they're not doing their end of the bargain is kind of part of that transaction, you know, like you they pay you to give them a service and they have an expectation, right? And 
you provide that service and you in turn expect them to do well or at least give you results to be able to move in the direction of doing well. Now, I personally had to build my coaching brand little by little um, with the demographic that I had, which was a lot of college students and word of mouth through the tri-state area before I got a bunch of clients. Um, like it's it's a reflection of your brand. Do your athletes do well? I got a lot of my business from word of mouth and you know people nearby where you know they could vouch for me. They could be my results in person, you know, um, so to speak, not to take any credit for what the athlete does, because at the end of the day, I'm giving you a verbal or, you know, written things to do. And you're the one doing all the work. At the end of the day, all these different walks of life, all these different types of athletes there, they are your portfolio, unless you have a huge portfolio already. And you're not worried about losing that one client, you're the Walmart of coaches and you have so many <laughs> clients um i don't see how you can compartmentalize something like that and shoo somebody away basically because that's ultimately what he did i'd rather have a smaller coaching brand and be more personal and more effective and have more repeating clients that do well than you know make somebody feel like they're disposable to me because i have so much coming my way i have opportunities that it's overflowing my pockets i'm only limited by the time that i'm awake <laughs> like i don't see i think that is selfish and um it's pretty uh takes for granted the opportunity that you have with each of these lifters which is another experience that could help you either with your own training or somebody else that will be a more important client to you down the road if not that person and I know that some people can get by with a coach like that, where like you don't really talk about personal mm. stuff. It's where it's like all business, 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 or yeah. in the sense, powerlifting, powerlifting, powerlifting. But I, that's not me. Never was, yeah. was never will be. I don't recommend it. I don't think it's ideal in any capacity, but I think that if there was a place for it, it would be with a more advanced lifter that doesn't yeah. need as much. I don't call it that. But as much hand-holding, you know, like as much questions to be answered, a lot of unsolved variables that they don't know where to start with. You know, a more advanced lifter is not going to need that level of attention. And unless that's your demographic, which I'm an advocate for too, like stick to your lane, then I can get it in that aspect. But you're not an advanced level lifter. So in this example, anyway, the person is not an ex experienced lifter. And they can't function on that sort of attention level. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're dating somebody and they need more attention from you in the beginning to develop a relationship. Whereas, you know, later on, you're not, you can kind of coast, you know, for sakes of the example. But that's one of my pet peeves when someone isn't a compassionate person yeah like i would say a lot of my athletes because like i started off as a broke college student myself i was more you know geared toward a clientele of people in my situation as well it was just just the type of person i am i'm more personal i see it as a a team a family i want to attract people that are repeatable clients you know people that 
are taking me along their powerlifting journey, not somebody that needs something quick from me and dip it on me later, you know? Like, I'm not really a fan of uh, a client that is going to only be around for a couple months and then you'll never see them again because at the end of the day, I didn't really get the chance to do my job effectively, which takes the longer path. Would you ever want to be a full-time coach and do only that? I don't think that's possible anymore unless you're like a super big name. Like I'll drop Joey Flex, you know, like, nah, I don't think exclusively coaching, it's going to be super hard. Like you have to have some sort of like seminars that you're doing, some sort of like apparel maybe for your team, some sort of thing that you're doing on the side. Like maybe you are also a personal trainer in the gym, which is a different, you know, uh, avenue in the industry. You know, maybe you do some personal training at a commercial gym or something like that, which I guess you can count toward coaching. In this world, you got to have multiple streams of income and that's what a lot of people don't see when they yeah that's what a lot of people don't see when they are trying to you know become full-time power lifters or coaches you know that's not a steady paycheck and unless you have a big clientele it's next to impossible to survive off that now i will say there are like new tricks that modern times allow for you to quote unquote still be exclusively coaching for example like a lot of coaches are getting into like more ai style programming where even like going back to the basics where they'll provide a certain program that's geared toward a certain thing for example a bench program where it's kind of cookie cutter you might be able to do some adjustments to it but it's meant to cater toward a larger crowd versus you know one-on-one clients where you have to get one person at a time you can just release this program and whoever signs up for it, signs up for it. Kind of like how Candido was, except Candido operated off of donations. Like the program mm. itself was free, but he always had a donation link, you know, where I'm sure he made bread off that. How did you get into weightlifting? Weightlifting? Mm-hmm. All right. So one of my first strength gyms that I was exposed to, we had pretty tight quarters for the size of the gym because the actual free weight section we were all kind of closer knit, you know? So, I mean, it worked out because in the one perfect storm, the one timeline that all the disciplines liked each other, like it was at that gym. <laughs> um, but usually, and you'll be able to see this too, strongman powerlifting and weightlifting have their own crowds and they don't always play nicely with each other um, just because of the personality types and just different type of people there's just different vibes for each one and each one also has its own entry barrier in terms of like price of equipment and availability to you know properly equipped gyms with all these things Um, you might be a person of a different tax bracket in weightlifting than you are for powerlifting Um, and that attracts two different walks of life but we we're lucky enough to be part of a perfect storm where powerlifters, strongmen, and ollie lifters all played nice together. So I was homies with some good weightlifters and some weightlifters that were doing it for a good amount of time. So they researched and uh, did their due diligence with you know different technique styles of different countries and whatnot. So I was able to be exposed to that at an early training age, so to speak. But due to my shoulder history I wasn't always able to perform those movements so 
I was exposed to it. I've done a couple of them. I've done a couple of them wrong. Like for years now, um, here and there, I always, I always thought it was impressive to put a bar from the floor over your head. I was more impressed with clean and jerk naturally because um, I guess you can call me a pull expert. Uh, so that was closer to my understanding of a deadlift at the time. I also didn't have the shoulder strength or flexibility to go over my head with a snatch. It just took me some time to be able to set aside just for that, to be able to learn it and a couple of injuries along the way. But uh, I was always interested in it. But again, I didn't allow myself as a powerlifter to veer off into the little side quests <laughs> too much. I was focused on my hit list. I decided to make my chunk into that instead of placing my time into each little discipline. And I was able to get farther in one than I was in each individually, you know? To answer the question fully, like I was exposed to, I was doing it. I just wasn't doing it religiously. I wasn't training it um, until the past like two years, I'd say now, a year and a half, let's say. Remember the first time that you coached me like a while ago? Mm -hmm. Is that when you would say that you started like doing it on a more regular basis? Um, I was doing it a little bit before that. So I would say I started religiously training Ollie and right before I left Jersey. Oh, okay. Um, so, so I dove into that world before then. Um, I had a minor injury at the time, which I took a little break from it. And then I came back. And now I would say I'm the closest to, you know, actual dedicated programming for it. Um, I'm the closest in terms of, you know, actually doing the full movements. I was kind of cheating before and using my anatomy where I would just power everything. And that worked for me because years ago I would, <laughs> I would have a really ugly power snatch, which looked like a windshield wiper and it would just go <laughs> straight up. And somehow I would balance at the end of it. I was able to hold it there for a second or two before I dropped it. So I had like the, the pulling strength off the floor already from that experience. And also from all the deadlifting, I've had my shares of variations of it, like the snatch deadlift and whatnot. Ollie lifting is a world that needs your full undivided attention to actually like understand all the little nuances of technique and whatnot. Another thing that helps with that is coaching it. You know, they say the best teach those who can't do teach or, <laughs> you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in class not to traumatize you back into college. Uh, you've ever been in class and you, you learn something in math class, so to speak, and the person next to you has no idea what they're doing. And you're like, I just learned this five minutes ago. What you asking me for? <laughs> but you have more of a grasp than they do. And you walk them through it and you start pointing out things that you didn't know that you were processing at the time. But now it's pointed out to you because you have to sound like you know what you're talking about to this person, you know, lead them right or else you shouldn't have been answering the question to begin with. And to an extent, I was able to do that with a couple of clients. Um, I was able to train Ollie, I mean, uh, coach Ollie before I actually trained it full time myself um, because of the knowledge that I gathered from my old friends and um, doing the little bit that I actually could perform. I was limited from my shoulder health, but now I, I have more of an understanding than I ever did with all the little things that are involved, what things can you do to improve upon X movement? You know, um, back then I was, I was taking the basic skeleton 
of it and anything that I didn't know I would have to you know learn or I would have to consult with my Olympic lifting advisors at the time um I was gonna say before I hired you for that that first meet prep I mm-hmm. looked through like your your videos and I was like, why is he squatting so deep? As if like if yeah. he's a powerlifter, why is he squatting so deep? I squatted like that from the jump, to be honest with you. Right. Um, well, for one, it feels better to me. Two, you know, that's one of the first stereotypes that you feed into is ass to grass squatting. You know, so you know, I, I wanted my respect because I was putting in the work. <laughs> So I'm going to squat as the grass and you going <laughs> for me, you know? But I don't know what really started that besides, like, that's what looked like a squat to me. And also, like, the fear of it not counting in competition, which I wasn't even doing yet. I also just didn't want to be told I wasn't squatting, you know? Like, I want to get the full range of motion out of this. I want to... I'm the person who's going to seek out the harder thing and do that because it's going to give me the most benefit. The more I learned about my anatomy, I realized that I benefit more from that stretch reflex at the bottom versus stopping at parallel and then exploding through. That actually is counterproductive for me because for one, you have to fish for that depth. You still have to hit a certain depth. And yeah, I go uh, quite a bit lower than that, but it turns out to help you in the long run because you see it all the time, all powerlifters that there's very few who can train high squats and have it cross over into competition where it not be a problem. But more often than not, you're going to get red lights. You're going to see them red lights. And then you're going to have to take steps back because now your ego is is telling you that you squat this much, but you really don't. You have squat that count. much. Exactly. Like if it doesn't count, then you didn't do it, which is yeah. the harsh voice of competitiveness that is always in your head. But yeah, um, Long story short, I benefit from that stretch reflex with my proportions, and that's how I've always squatted. I wish I had that problem, but like the the depth that I squat at, this is the deepest I can squat, honestly. Yeah, it'll it, change within like. Yeah, we're we're gonna change that. <laughs> <laughs> um, not like super deep, you know. I'm not asking yeah. you to pick up a bus change or anything, but there's other issues to to advise for that one but it really comes down to your hip anatomy like what does your specific range of motion allow for honestly i think no matter what your hip anatomy is for you should take advantage of the full range of motion that you're capable of can you sit in the asian squat like um like just a body weight squat like mm-hmm. like I can. it's just sitting like ass to grass in a squat like all the way like all the way down yeah like yeah i do that to warm up after my famous Russian, Russian baby makers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do a combination of that, the Asian squat, I guess, which is, to me is just a goblet squat without the weight yet. But no, I, I need the weight to keep me up or else I'm going to fall. Yeah, because you be forgetting you have feet sometimes. <laughs> we um, got to train them feet. What are your Costco essentials? Oh, and okay. Are you picking Costco or BJ's? Um, I want to say 100% Costco. Me too. Because I've only stepped foot in a BJ's a couple times, and I think that BJ's is a little bit of a lower um quality yes. than Costco. For me, shopping for you know performance, 
I go with the basics. So I, I get as much protein as my pockets allow for in big quantities because I eat a lot of protein per meal. I don't have um, small meals. I have you know traditional intermittent fasting style sized meals. So sometimes I only eat once to twice a day. So I need a lot. I try to go with either depending on what I'm eating at the time, either steak uh chicken sometimes i'll throw salmon in there if i haven't had fish in a while lately i'll get salmon with the uh the little tortellinis so i'll make a little like salmon pasta with that but when i'm not getting fancy i'm just trying to get my protein and carbs in i do the big bag of rice you know keep it simple either chicken or ground beef lately i've been getting snacks for work so like fruit snacks or something like that then lately i've been getting cereal again i haven't had cereal in a while but i feel like that'll be short-lived really just my staples um you know protein source carb source and i'll try to be good lately and i'll get veggies i'll try to incorporate veggies into whatever dish i'm making at the time you know like if i'm making a pasta i'll make it like a zucchini pasta or something you know like something with veggies in there try to get my macros in I mean, micros. I'll also try to get some sort of snack at home, some sort of sweet or something. That's really seasonal, to be honest with you. I'm not a big sweets person because if I'm eating sweets, I have my grandfather's sweet tooth. And it's like, it's very hard for me to get out of that habit. But I go through my phases with sweets. Yeah, basically just the big three, protein, carb, and fats if you need them. Usually eggs. I haven't been eating eggs too often. So I'll just keep my grocery list simple. So eggs, rice or potatoes, or and potatoes, if you're somebody who likes variety, then I typically go with either chicken or beef. Um, and I'll just cycle them, you know. Um, if I'm getting tired of chicken, time to switch to beef. I also try to get whichever one is most versatile to me at the time. So if I'm making Italian-style dishes with, pasta and chicken i could also switch over to boring mode and have chicken and rice you know i could also do like stir fry i can make like a teriyaki with that chicken i could also you know have tacos with that chicken you know like i could do a lot of stuff with that chicken and i try to just have like two or three different kind of meals that i can make with that protein source at the time but i i typically go with beef either ground beef or steak and then chicken because I try to keep it simple. I'm eating in volume here. Uh, I got to eat for a 105, you know, even though I'm not that big anymore. My appetite thinks I am. I will not leave Costco without two cases of Fairlife. I stopped drinking Fairlife, to be honest with you. I used to drink it very regularly, like maybe two or three days. I would drink it out the bottle. Yeah. No, like no, the, no, the, the gallon, the, the half gallon. No, oh, I don't. Oh, no, I, don't I like... just drink the chocolate Mm-mm, milk. That I didn't gross. know that they... What? The chocolate Fairlife is nasty. Like the milk. All right. So this concludes it... this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. such a weird texture. It's so It is thick. a different consistency, yes. But as somebody who throughout their age is becoming lact... Well, I am at this point lactose intolerant. You get what you can, you know? Pretend it's a protein shake. To me, it tastes way better than a protein shake. Like, you, I you, haven't drank protein powder in years. Oh, fuck that. Protein powder is disgusting. I don't. Like, I gave up on that a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I needed, you like... You haven't had the pro- the Fairlife shakes? No. Oh, my I God. I haven't had anything but regular Fairlife for cereal and chocolate milk for 
chocolate milk. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta try it. It's. I don't know, man. You know, I don't know if I trust your judgment at this point. Trust my judgment. <laughs> trust my judgment. <laughs> if you can find the strawberry one, I, I want to say I tried the strawberry. Say, a lot of people say that's the best flavor, but the shake, not the milk. Okay, I don't think I've seen these shakes, or maybe I just haven't been paying attention. You probably don't go in the like protein uh, shake. Hundred percent. In Costco, 100%. so it's definitely there. I so go I'm gonna the... get, I'm gonna get Fairlife. I'm gonna get frozen broccoli. I'm gonna get egg whites, shrimp. Because that's basically free protein for like zero calories almost. And I'm going to get whipped cream. Has its downsides, but I'll let you live. Yeah, the whip, sodium, whip whatever. Cream. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I forgot to mention fruit too, which takes place of my unhealthy snacks. But um, surprisingly, Costco has pretty good produce. They have pretty good everything. Pretty pretty like good quality produce, but honestly, it's expensive. I'd rather go to like those really? ethnic fruit markets and yeah, and I buy my produce. I thought there. they were pretty good. I thought like you get like a what is that like a two pound box of kiwis for like eight bucks? That's crazy. I can get four of them for a dollar. Four kiwis though. Yes. Yeah, there's way more than four in that box. Like I eat four it, at a time. For me, it's it comes out cheaper to like just go to these fruit markets, like significantly cheaper. Maybe because you don't eat them all at once. No, I eat a lot well, of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I usually share the fruits with my dog, so we eat like four at a time, and it lasts us. The frozen, like, a week. the frozen no. fruits and vegetables are good. Uh, I, I try like to their frozen, frozen mango. Why? Because it, it's a different. It's different. It's not the same. It's the same. No, it's not. It's the same. No, and that's only for, like, smoothies. It's different in what? Like, if you're trying to eat it? Well, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But, like, no, frozen mango, like, on its own is pretty good. Like, as a, like, like a dessert. What, you thaw it out? Yeah, you thaw it out a little bit, and it's kind of like sorbet. I swear to God. Nah, you bugging. No, <laughs> you no, you gotta try it. And frozen grapes, like partially frozen grapes, frozen banana. I don't even do banana. I can't do <laughs> banana. I the way I like bananas, like taste wise, is like a little bit green still, like no. that tartness. But any form of banana like bothers my stomach, so I can't really do banana unless it's like banana bread. I'll do banana bread. Banana bread is like I, usually like my pre workout snack. Even when um, acai bowl places use uh, frozen bananas in their base, I can't do that. There used to be this dude that sold um, acai bowls at our gym, and I bought a couple one time. I just couldn't do it no more. How does that work? How are you going to sell acai bowls in a gym? I mean, it's not permitted or anything. It's just the gym. Did he show up to the gym with a blender and everything? Um, I I think he made them there, yeah. He might have made them there. Crazy. Uh, your him, gyms though. already your gyms already make uh protein shakes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So they to got sell? the stuff there. Yeah. They sell you protein shakes. Oh my JCB does. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Not anymore. Not In anymore. the vending machine probably, but no, like no, no, no. You know that little cutout in the back where where the bench used to be in the corner? Like if you're going into the big room that is now renovated. But um Yeah. All the way to the left. There was that little kitchen thing. Yeah. They used to, they had a board with everything they sold. They sold pre-workout, like literal, like scooped pre-workout that they mixed up. Then they had like, I guess like some energy drinks. Um, They also had protein shakes. On Saturdays, me and Chelsea would joke around because um, Kim would always be making pancakes. So it was oh. like, where's our, where's our Kodiak cakes? <laughs> so yeah, like, but 
yeah, there's they usually, uh, especially the gyms that have like the CrossFit classes, they offer like supplements and stuff, like literally like, the ones that you would buy, but they would make it for you. Not anymore. That's probably like from your era, but they weren't from doing that era. when I joined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but that board might have still been up there. I I've think seen they the had board. It, it was like what Kettlebell Kitchen, right? I believe so. No, well, Kettlebell yeah. Kitchen is a meal prep company that they yep. like. A lot of gyms will also have like a fridge for meal prep companies to drop off meals. Um, so. Like, the members will, you know, make your little DoorDash order, and <laughs> they'll bring your your meals yeah. to the gym. That's, you can pick them up good, there. That's a good business model. Yeah, um, but it probably costs a lot. Oh, yeah, convenience. Price of convenience. Absolutely. Oh, pasta. I eat a lot of pasta. Pasta. Yeah, I'm, pasta. I do, too. I want, I either do that salmon tortellini that i told you about or um i'll just do like a regular like sausage and broccoli something like that have you had the barilla protein pasta no you should it's i'm good. not a fan of the altered pasta <laughs> why it tastes it tastes just like regular know. pasta it tastes just like regular yeah that's what they that's what they say about the zucchini one no, that's no, what no, they no. say about the sweet potato one no the no, brown tiffany, rice one tiffany no brown rice pasta is gross i hate brown rice pasta and Brown yeah, rice it's in so general. Soft. It's it, disgusting. So yeah, brown Tiffany, rice. Tiffany got mm-hmm. me on the protein pasta, and I was like you too. Like I was like, I don't really like that type of stuff, but honestly, it just tastes regular. Yeah, but like my thing is, it's like protein pasta isn't a big spike in protein. I know. To the point where I'm already eating a pound of protein <laughs> for me. You meal. probably don't really need it, but like, yeah. like me, the extra five yeah. grams are gonna help. You need to. You could just get another piece of chicken. <laughs> Stop being sometimes, a little wimp. Sometimes you don't want to like eat all that meat. No, it's because you want to eat pasta instead of the chicken. And you get like this much pasta and that much chicken, and it's just not the right proportion. Well, it is the right proportion depending on what your goal is. It's not cutting, the right proportion for my appetite. Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck your appetite. We eating for performance oh, yeah. over here. When she first told me, like, you're only supposed to be eating, like, a half cup of rice, I was like, what? That's, like, three bites. That's that's crazy. That's another can of worms. Yeah. Just, I guess, fill yourself. Which does help. It does help fill you up. Yeah, for sure. It For me, produce is healthy snacks, you know? But it's also, yeah. like, a way to get your micros in and fiber and whatnot all that good stuff it's like energy food almost you know it's like sugar that makes you feel good yeah just like juicing nah juicing is something different and juicing so is smoothies is not that good for you. yes smoothies aren't either i recently yeah. learned smoothies actually changed the um the way the fruit is broken down in your body so the way that like all the textures and skins and stuff, we're supposed to process that ourselves when it's processed for us. Something about the sugar absorption is way higher than um, if you were to just eat that fruit whole. So yeah. I'm kind of on the war on, I'm on like the war of smoothies. You know, I haven't really, it wasn't really something that I had too much of to begin with, but I'm not going to go out my way to get it either. I forgot yogurt. Yogurt is a good one. Yogurt and granola is a fire um, little snack there, and you can throw yeah. you frozen mangoes the in there. You can get the protein granola. I'll I'll play that lane with you in there. Or okay. the um, they have um, chocolate granola too. 
I don't like flavored granola. I like it plain. Nah, I've, I've dove in that world of sugar or something. Nah, I'm I try not to do like sugar too much, like added sugar. Um, what's the name? They have like chocolate, um, granolas. Cause sometimes I won't add it to my yogurts. I'll just eat it as granola, and that little bit of sweetness helps. It doesn't just taste like a the bottom of a Nature Valley bar. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> not when they're crushed though. <laughs> like you want to crush it yourself into the size pieces that you want. You don't want it to come as dust. Um, I do not like those uh, shredded wheat cereal. Oh yeah, nobody does. But the commercials always made it look so good. Like when I was little. No, they had interesting animations <laughs> where the little squares were jumping off of the edge of the bowl. But other than that, there was nothing cool about shredded. You know wheat. what's the same though? Cookie. Crisp. Okay, what what blasphemy are we about to say about? That was cookie. not good at all. I got it, and I was like, "Ew, this doesn't taste good." This is a good time to work on your outro because <laughs> I don't want to be here no more. <laughs> um, and what else? But you know what was the was like a really good cereal to have even now. Alright, hold that thought. What is your top five cereals? We can end off on that. Okay, we will end up not on that. not in not in order. Just top five. Not in order. All right. And so like, can, are we talking they can include adult cereals too now that we're older. Okay, so like are we talking like dessert cereals? Anything. Or just any cereal. Whatever because cereal I... that you can eat on any given day, top five of all okay. time too. It doesn't have to be. So I'm I'm gonna answer dessert cereal because I eat cereal for dessert. Original Captain Crunch, peanut butter Captain Crunch, Kicks. If I want okay. a lot, but I don't want to go crazy because it's like really high volume right. and it's like three yeah. grams of sugar. And it's like that little bit um, of coating is a little bit of sweetness. Yeah. I guess Cinnamon Toast Crunch. If you have to add a fourth one, like I don't really care for it. Okay. Um. That was my fourth one, or that was my third one. That was my fourth. That was one. your fourth. So I have one more. I'm like don't trying mess it to up. visualize. Don't mess it I'm up. Trying to visualize this cereal. Visualize your childhood. The fuck? <laughs> you don't have to visualize. I didn't eat that much cereal as a kid. Huh? Like I what? ate regular food. Frosted Flakes. Okay. But the thing that I don't like about Frosted Flakes is like once you put it in the milk, like the actual. Soggy. No, no, I don't. I don't mind soggy cereal. <laughs> Wow. I actually <laughs> actually like to so like when I was little I would let the peanut butter Captain Crunch get soggy on purpose because it was so hard that it would like destroy soggy the or of my soften mouth. because there's a difference both. between soggy and soft no nah. both I'm a little... so, let, let me finish my thought about the frosted flakes go ahead I didn't I, <laughs> I didn't like how the actual frosted flake wasn't sweet mm. it was just coated with the sugar and that's it so oh like yeah when, so th- those are my five okay. cereals go I'm ahead come different i'm gonna come <laughs> different all right i agree with you on the captain crunch but it definitely has to be captain crunch berries you're bugging that's such a um, scam no because there's not. barely any berry like it's like what? in the whole bag there's like maybe like 10 or 15 berry pieces no see you're not <laughs> you ain't going to costco for them <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know what kind of crunch berries you had, but in, in Queens, we had the proper, you know, proportions. <laughs> but, um, so Captain Crunch berries with extra berries. So let's just say that the normal amount of berries. Um, then I must say this is goaded because this is not goaded, but definitely deserves this spot because it's customizable. Regular Cheerios with added sugar. Like your so honey sugar. Cheerios. No, no, no. Oh, oh, okay, okay. No, 
Honey Nut Cheerios is his own entity and deserves <laughs> its own respect. Because Honey Nut Cheerios, you could eat by itself with no milk. Who is eating cereal dry, first of all? I do not. Uh, cereal sick. connoisseurs. <laughs> what? You like Fairlife Shakes. I don't want to hear this. Fairlife Shakes anyway, are good. Those are two, right? Gotta go Cocoa Puffs because chocolate deserves a spot in the top five. But I will build on your little technique that is done wrong, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you gotta soften Cocoa Puffs, but definitely not soggy Cocoa Puffs. That's weird. Yeah, soggy cereal is not the move, but softened what's cereal that, what's, is. What's that other chocolate cereal? Count Chocula. No, what the hell's that? It, that's what I was saying. Some of the, it doesn't have to be in production anymore. It could be old <laughs> ones, but that it was an old style cereal. It was like you know the count. It had marshmallows. I don't know if that was a specific one, but it had marshmallows. It had like shape of bats and stuff. Like it was like Count Dracula vampire themed. But all right, so that's three, right? I'm gonna put an adult cereal in there. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I'm gonna decide between the two adult cereals and I'm gonna throw special K red berries in there. I was gonna say that honey bunches of oats, but that's nah, nah, we're not gonna give adult cereals that big of a spotlight. And then one more, I wanna choose like a goaded cereal from my childhood, but I don't wanna disrespect the culture too much. I feel like I gotta choose something that nobody that everybody forgets about and the underdog with, cereal yes i'm gonna go with frosted cheerios frosted cheerios yes the frosted flakes killer the best frosted flavor any like cereal there is what's the flavor sugar yeah but it's it's frosted like frost is a little bit different than sugar it's like I don't know, some weird crack they put in it. Like <laughs> It's like each one has this. See, the difference between frosted um, Cheerios and regular Cheerios with sugar is that the good parts of regular Cheerios with sugar is the very top, that little bit that you get when you first put it on, and then the bottom. So how do you concoct regular Cheerios with sugar? How much time I got? As much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if, if I'm at home and I'm eating... A me-sized bowl of cereal, which is huge. I'm um for one, you should know that the milk and get in touch till last. Um, but first, if you have a bigger bowl, um, then I do it in layers. So I'll do a little bit, like maybe half a bowl of Cheerios, a little bit of sugar, more Cheerios, fill it up, a little bit of. Sh- uh, I don't know if I do a little bit or a, more than I did, and then I pour the milk, or I I think I do a little bit more, pour milk, and then a little bit more. I don't know how cracked out I was as a kid, but definitely a layering lasagna style situation going on here. Okay. Uh, but because of the milk, a lot of the sugar gets pushed down to the bottom. You have a little bit left on the top. You get those few scoops of crack at the top and you eat semi-sweet Cheerios until you get to the bottom and you start scraping that shit. What? You got sweet milk too, like sweet extra milk, sweet. But does the sugar dissolve in time? No, it's or you got crunchy sugar. You got crunchy sugar, oh. but the way it comes off the bottom of that bowl with the milk and that few couple loops left, it's amazing. Um, okay, <laughs> but it's different from frosted because frosted isn't as sweet, but it's consistent sweetness through the whole thing, and you can't add 
any sugar to that because sugar and frosted Cheerios is weird. So to recap, you said original Captain Crunch. No, no, no. You said original Captain Crunch. You said I Captain said Crunch berries. with the berries with the extra berries. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Captain Crunch with the berries, Cheerios with the sugar. Then we went Cocoa Puffs. Cocoa Puffs. Frosted you know what? I'm going to swap out the Special K because this is a purist conversation and these cereals deserve a spotlight. I will put Reese's Puffs in place of Special K. I've only had that once in my life. Okay. I don't remember. And that if I liked is it. why this has been what? Episode six? <laughs> I don't know. Episode whatever. And I'll um, end this off with because we're recording this on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all. Happy Mother's the Day. Mamas is out there. Love you, Mom. I don't know if you're going to listen to this. But <laughs> shout out you to you. You can send her the link. You can send her the link. Yeah. She said she'll listen to it, but I doubt it. <laughs> Thank you for everyone who stuck through this like very long podcast. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. And yeah. Talk to you guys later. Later. <laughs>